question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. And two-time Nebraska walk-on trial participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. Yes, it is. Two, do I, or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Good morning, beautiful people. It's 10 a.m. on a Friday. You know that means it's Chasing History time. Chasing History on 90.3 Care and you, Lincoln. I'm Colton Stone alongside, as always, and sometimes, unfortunately, Jake Larson. I, I understand. Jake, Hello, let's not play some football. Let's play some baseball. And some, Except and for, some, you know. And some in, college basketball, too. It, well, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm more excited about that. You know I'm more of a – it's not that I don't like baseball. Oh, um, I, I, I know you're a big baseball boy yourself. It's, it's – you know, people act like, and I'm not saying it's wrong, that like, oh, you know, it's. I think the most important days are like opening day yeah. and like September and then the playoffs. Oh, no, I mean, that's, I get that. I understand why people are like that. You know, just because, because there's like, so much dead well, space. You play every day. Yeah. It's not special like with a football game where you have to wait a whole week. Like, trust me, if Nebraska football played every day from like mid-August to like December, oh, yeah. we wouldn't care as much as we do. Like, think about. If the Yankees and Red Sox, because they play, let's see, they usually play like four or five series, I think, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So they end up playing like 16 times. Like imagine if they played like twice. Oh, it would be huge. They played like the beginning of the year and the end of the year. Just like a home and home. And that's that's part of why baseball was able to be pop, regain popularity in the 80s, because when you had those larger divisions, you didn't play your rivals as much as you do now. Even though there was an interleague, but still, you would you wouldn't play them as much as you do now, and so that made those rivalry games just more exciting for the most part. I mean, yeah, in the '80s, but I guess whatever still was probably would have played them twelve times a year. And they kind of tried to do uh, still narrows it down. A bit. I don't want to say like rivalry week like they do for a couple others, but mm-hmm. like yeah. like in college football, they were like okay, last week yes. yeah. is is your rival generally. Yeah. Or the first week. Even if it's, it's like non-conference, like Florida, Florida State still play. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech still play the last week yep. of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, UCLA, well, UCLA, USC play the last of the year unless Notre Dame is going to USC, and then that's a whole other thing. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm not excited for baseball. I'm glad it's back. Um, I'm. I wish the weather would have I mean, stayed. You're clearly a big baseball guy, though. For oh yeah. Bring up all these discussions. Well, and you know, it wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't be bringing up the topic if I didn't want to defend defend my baseballness. Oh, well, you you've, you've uh, done a very good job of that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm excited it started. Um, but you know, I'm I I can wait to get excited. I think. But um, also, Bryce Harper went. 0 for 3 yesterday, so I don't, you know. Javi Baez had two home runs. That was. Did you see my? Did you see my tweet? Uh, SB Nation tweeted out that the um, Dodgers had eight home runs yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I tweeted out um, that they're on pace for 1,296 home runs. Yeah. um, Which would likely be a record. I hadn't checked, uh, but I I I think almost 1,300 home runs in a season would probably be a record. Yeah, by about 500. No, wait, hold on, hold on, no, by a thousand, excuse me, I was thinking of for a, like a player's career for some reason, I don't know why, I'm sorry about that. Even then. And still, yeah, it's, usually, I think the record, New York, I think had like 
three hundred last year. And I, was it last I year? Two years last ago. Year. I think it was last year because Aaron Judge second season because Giancarlo Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton joined the Yankees last year, and everyone's like, oh, they're just gonna have home runs all over the place. Um, and I'm gonna just double check to make sure that that what the number was. Because I remember last year we did an episode where we were discussing, uh, like, are the Yankees going to break the home run record? Oh, yeah. Because there's another team that was close as well. I'm just digging everything out of my pockets here. I have, like, a million cough drops because allergies in my throat. And Hold on here. I'm going to... Hanging out, you know. We need... We need our, like, designated stats people. It's like, hey, hey, Jamie, could you pull that up, like, in Joe Rogan? Hey, could you pull that video up, Jamie? Start knocking on the glass. Hey! <laughs> I told you to have this ready. Um, yeah, 267. Okay. I thought I thought it was around 300, but... All right, so 267 for the New York Yankees last year was the record. So, 1,300... Uh, 1296 would be 1032 more. So Yeah, it's I it's, I mean it's a small small gap, but you know. But a giant leap for baseball. <laughs> um, if a team hit 1200 home runs, I think people would like people would watch baseball. <laughs> it was like do you have ever uh, told you the article and if you haven't there's an article uh by John Boyce of course, creator of the show. Um and it was called the ideal baseball game. And what he did was he had people enter into a Google spreadsheet and they would list off if they wanted to be a batter, a pitcher, a fielder, a member of the stands or someone stealing stuff out of cars in the parking lot of the baseball stadium. I know what I would do. And so you got to pick from one of those and then you would pick whatever you wanted to happen. And he did all of it in order as he got it. And so, like, the final score was, like, 100. It's like, And he's like, whatever happens here is how people ideally want baseball to be. And it was, like, 131 to 39 was, <laughs> ended up being the final score. But the best part of that whole article, though, was there. one of the options was specifically they, want, they wanted – it's like they need more foul bunts in baseball because the number of people that said, I want to bunt it foul. And what happened was he got eight straight. <laughs> and so – he had well, be two. it was it was the count was one and one with one guy, and then he bunted it foul twice. The next guy bunched it foul three times, and then with nobody on base in <laughs> two outs, he bunted foul three times in a row. It's like clearly we need more especially we need more um foul bunts with two outs and nobody on with two two strikes. You know, that would make the game pretty exciting, I would say. I mean, I don't know what you would pick. But I'd probably be out in the parking lot. I'm just going to put it that way. <laughs> and then, like, you would – what would happen was you would steal an item. You could choose which item you were looking to steal. And then John Boyce himself would ask you why you stole it. And there were some pretty good responses to that, too. <laughs> anyway. Because I felt like it? I one of um, – hold on here. Let me – bring this up john boyce the ideal baseball game and you tell me if there's anything that you do not feel is completely ideal um about this but anyways the the headline is the i the perfect baseball game is 19 hours long and it has lots of crying is you is there any thing in there that you feel is already 
inaccurate. You know, 19 might be a little long, but okay. de- depending on the amount of innings, I, I could go with it. Mm-hmm. It was just nine. <laughs> it was a nine-inning game. Well, if I'm, if I'm not in the hours, stadium, but... yeah, I could be there for 19 hours. Okay, so it was um, – final score, to be exact, was 121 to 27. Okay. So – That's pretty ideal. Mm-hmm. And there That's like my four, ideal football game, too. There were, four different, there were four different innings where our team is what it's called. Like the people that, you know, put in their stuff. They were on one team. Yeah. And then just whatever they chose to happen was the other team. So, anyway, our team, quote, unquote, had four different times they scored more than 20 runs in an inning. <laughs> um, But let me look at – oh, there's also – yeah, you could be in the crowd and you could – Choose the chance that you wanted to have the stadium <laughs> chant, such as um, "Blood alone moves the wheels of history." <laughs> One of my favorite baseball chasing chants. history. Yeah, that's <laughs> "Blood alone moves the wheels of chasing history." I think we should get, make that shirt. <laughs> we'll get that one printed. All right, we'll make it a frocket. <laughs> in response to the pitcher Blobby giving up a home run, the uh, someone in the crowd chanted, hey, hey, pitch that base, catch that bat, who cares? <laughs> um, and we're number one in response to batting man <laughs> bunting it foul with no one on base. <laughs> anyway, oh, so man. the part that we were all looking for was you can choose to be in the parking lot stealing, stealing things out of cars. Right. And... I've already chosen that. So Doug, <laughs> explaining why he stole an iPod, he said it was for money. And then Nice Guy, explaining why he stole baby strollers, he also said for money. Ray Romano, <laughs> so the person put their name in as Ray Romano, explaining why he stole Jerry Seinfeld's gym bag. He said, I am the Seinfeld. I have to be Seinfeld. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... Oh, my goodness. Uh, Jacob, explaining why he sold a Spin Doctor CD. Is this you? Uh, no, it's with a C. But uh, explain why you stole a spin And an doctors. O probably, right? You know, J-A-K-U-B for you. Yeah, you're right. Um, I must explain what the spin doctors sound like. It was Jacob explaining why he stole a spin doctor CD. And then Marlon Bird, uh, the one and only Philadelphia Philly and Chicago Cub, Marlon Bird, explaining why he stole tapes. His response was, I like tapes. And that is how that <laughs> article concludes. <laughs> Yeah, that guy, all valid once again, once again that guy started this show. Like, the guy I who mean, wrote this article. If 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 that isn't like, you know, it just just break down why we do this. Then I don't know what does. You know, I'm just saying. So, um, Jake, I've got some stats for you. Right, absolutely. Uh, kind of random. I've got, some, I've got some kind of random baseball stats for you as well. I wanted to discuss um, on the show. I've I've like, got to find our. Baseball beat down of the week. I remember going through some scores last week, and, and there were some ugly. Oh, there, games. I saw, I saw a there couple were some twenty to ones. twenty to single digit games. Yeah, there were there were, uh, and um, UNO won a game twenty six to nothing. Um, that was probably the one I was going to reach out. Do you know grab. who they played? Um, don't do this to me. Uh, Purdue um, Fort Wayne. Oh yeah, the Mastodons. Yeah, I don't, they're not very good. Um, and then there was another one. UMBC won a game. This is Wait, a UMBC? Beat down. I thought they'd be the beatdown. Okay. It, well, it wasn't a beatdown. It was, uh, I think it was like an eight or a nine inning or maybe ten inning game, but they won 16 to 12. There were a couple. There was 
there was one that was like 22 to 18 or something. So I'm going to look through them and find it. Um, but I'll give you this stat really quick um, that just kind of randomly popped up while I was looking for other stuff. But so Furman Baseball, I'm, are you familiar with Furman University? Yeah, one of my good friends from high school actually went to Furman. Okay, so, so Furman, high, or Furman Baseball High School, uh, no, um, had a grand slam, um, a guy hit for the cycle, and turned a triple play in the same game. <laughs> La- I think it was last night. And their manager was struck by lightning twice. <laughs> and everyone won the lottery. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so a guy did, you know, dug this up. I wish I, you know, I didn't do this, but um, they had its first cycle, Furman, since 2006, and its first triple play since 2001 in the same game. And then they're posing the question. I, I think it's a rhetorical question or trying to get someone to dig up the answer, but if that's ever happened in a major league game. And I'm curious because I, um, I mean, very often. First of all, you don't see a triple play very often, let alone see a cycle very often. To re- let alone to, in the same game. To do that would require a lot of work. <laughs> I don't. Feel a lot like of luck. But I here's feel what like you, goes into that. What you have to do is you go on Fangraphs. You searched every time like a triple play has happened, um, and then you'd search every time. Uh, there's been a cycle hit, and then you look for if there was a grand slam in any of those games. After you see if there's a common one between the two, there has been, however, in Major League Baseball, there has been a. I think it was around Opening Day as well, a double nine inning no hitter for both pitchers between the Reds and the Cubs way back in the good old days where baseball was like the only sport along with boxing and horse racing. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> the good old days. The roaring 20s. All right. Um, hey, those are coming up again. You're right. Uh, next year, we'll <laughs> return to the roaring 20s. Anyway, uh, a stat I wanted to bring up was an interesting little baseball team here. The 1979 Houston Astros. And what's notable uh, about this team is their home runs. Colton, this team finished last in the majors in 1979 in home runs. Do you know how many they had? Or like a guess. Okay, well, I remember we we talked about, was it like the 1982 Astros or something like that? It's this one. It's the same one. Because we discussed this. Before, just out of disbelief. Oh, yeah. This is just that random one we talked about. Yeah, because uh, like, I stumbled across it, and I'm like, there's no way. 46. 49. Like, okay. So, let's look at last year's home run numbers for comparison. Uh, 2018. Let's see how many home runs were hit in baseball. Or, let's see. Uh, lowest number. So the team with the fewest home runs last year was Miami with 128. Mm-hmm. So in other words, more they the Houston Astros hit 40% the number of home runs that the worst team in Major League Baseball did last year. Their home run leader was a man by the name of Okay, now it decided to stop scrolling. All right. So it was Jose Cruz, and he had 
nine home runs. You love the team. I feel like, now I'm, you know, maybe this is a humble brag. I don't know. I feel like I could hit nine home runs. <laughs> I know we've talked about this. Like, like this could, thing, could like, we be the DH on the uh, the Houston could, Astros? Like, yeah, I probably. A, I wouldn't be a home run hitter. I, don't, I think I would. I could. I would put up a goose egg on that. But even D Gordon hits like eleven home runs a year. <laughs> and he he if shouldn't I learned, be. If I learn some more, a little get a little bit better at my pitch identification. Get the get back in a swing of things. Quite literally, I feel like no pun intended. I could have gone back in time and been their DH had they needed that situation because back then they were in the National League so they didn't have interleague so they never had to use DH well then that means you just learn to pitch and then you hit too there you go Actually, or you're just a pinch yeah, hitter I, could I don't be, know I, I feel like you could pinch hit nine home runs I could, no, yeah that's yeah I don't know maybe I'm like wrong. here um by the way that team featured um one of the more tragic stories in sports, but their star pitcher was a guy by the name of J.R. Richard. And are you familiar with that name at all? I am not. He, I want to get this straight because there was another guy who had a similar accent, but I believe that J.R. Richard like had a stroke while he like on the mound or during a game. That'll slow your fastball down. Yeah, and it honestly it ended his career, and it was in the middle of. Statistically, season. in the nineteen eighty season, it was statistically, if he played the whole year, it would have been the best pitching season in baseball. And he played up to like the d- trade deadline. Wow! And it was statistically would have been like the best pitching season of the entire eighties. But his career just like ended after that, and he bounced from like home to home and stuff like that afterward. Or sometimes he had no home, but thankfully he is doing well. Today and he was the star player on one of our favorite teams now, the 1979 Houston Astros. So you just so it's not the White Sox. Originally you said the White Sox. I just want to make sure. No, I said Astros. Okay, maybe I just read the. I was I was reading something that said White Sox. Maybe I just that's like, that's exactly yeah, what happened. Okay. Um. So I I just did a quick uh, search here for triple plays. Can't wait to I can't wait to um. Listen back to this episode and then realize. Maybe. Oh wait, I was saying White Sox the whole time. <laughs> um, well, and then yeah, it doesn't matter. We we figured it out. Um, so I uh, did a little quick search here. If um, a triple play in cycles happened in the same game, now it wasn't the same team, but oddly enough, it, the the headline reads triple play, comma cycle help pair of socks. So the Red Sox, John Valentine became the 14th player in Red Sox history to uh, hit for the cycle, and despite hitting into a triple play, uh, I think, oh, and Boston, so uh, despite hitting into a triple play, beat the visiting Chicago White Sox 7-4. So the White Sox had their first, where are we at here, have turned their first triple play since 1986. This game was in 1996, so it was only about 10 years, which mm-hmm. I feel like that's about the common occurrence of a triple play. It's like every like seven to 10 years a team throws one, it feels like, because doesn't seem like it happens very often. It, I mean, actually, it happens more often than that, but it doesn't happen. Like, right. Maybe once a season. Um, and then John Valentine was the first Boston player to get the cycle um, since Scott Cooper at Kansas City on April 12th, 1994. So that was about two years apart. Scott Cooper. I, I don't know. I wish I could tell you something about that guy, but, but I can't. Let's I look feel, him up. Let's look him up. There you go. 
I feel like guys that hit for the cycle don't always uh, matter, Okay, this really. is an interesting career. So, he was a... Jose Canseco played for this Red Sox team, by the way. 1996. 96, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't have known. Um, so, Scott Cooper only played from 1990 to 95, and then he returned to the Royals for the 97 season. But he was a two-time All-Star, it says. But I'm not really figuring out why from his numbers. So I guess it says he was a second, he was a third baseman. And his numbers were, he batted 279 with nine home runs over a full season. Hmm. And then the next year he batted 282 with 13 home runs over 100 games. But both years he was All-Stars. Okay, the second one I can kind of understand. But the first one, like, I don't know. And his best OPS in the season was 786. But there you go. There's Scott Cooper for you. Now now you know who we're talking about. All right. All right. Let me give you some baseball scores from last week. All right. Um, Usually I only stick to the top 25 because it's – Easier, funnier, usually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> given, yeah. but you know, like I said, they won twenty six to nothing, so that was a pretty big deal. Um, Texas A and M beats Kentucky seventeen to five. Now that we've started conference play in most conferences, um, Auburn and Mississippi State. This is one I was talking about. Mississippi State won twenty to fifteen. Both teams are in the top twenty five. Both teams are in the top 15. Uh, did they go back to the gorilla bats or like what? Let me look at this box score because I, I read that, it. All I did was type like, it and I was like, okay, I'm not That even sounds like those College World Series scores from like the 90s where it'd be like. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's 33 to 26 in the top of the seventh. Okay, so if you know anything, you I'm, I mean, you, I'm sure you know at least a little bit about Mississippi State baseball. They're pretty good. Yeah, they have a huge uh, fan base for yeah, the college baseball team. Yeah, their stadium holds like. 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. When and Whenever they come to Omaha, it's like 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the attendance for this game, start time, 102, time, four hours and 11 minutes. Yeah. Which is about an hour and a half longer than most college yeah. baseball games. 9,886 people. And here's the line score. Auburn, 0047013000. 15 runs, 21 hits, two errors. Mississippi State, 1-1-3-1-4-3-2-5, didn't bat in the ninth. 20 runs, 21 hits, three errors. There were 42 hits and five errors. Five errors. And 35 That's runs. some unclean baseball right there. <laughs> How many walks were there? Let's see. Uh, Auburn walked three times. Mississippi State walked five times, so... One, two, no, two home runs, four total home runs, and I'm not even going to count the, the doubles a lot. There were a yeah, lot I'm of I'm sure doubles. that it sounds like there's a lot of wall bangers. Yeah, it's uh, – so, I mean, that's that was a game that stuck out to me for the week, and after reading the numbers, which I hadn't fully gone into yet, I can I, – I think that's fair. I think that's a good game of the week. I mean – It wasn't a beatdown. You know, but I would be like – I would. I would you. How long would you stay for that game? Would you stay all the way through? Well, the thing is, you know, I just closed it. Of course. Um, if you look at the, let me look at the box score one more time because that would determine if I would have stayed. Okay, so 
It was 15 to 15 in the top of the eighth. Oh, yeah, you're staying. I mean, you're staying the whole time. Yeah. Absolutely. Mississippi yeah. State had a five spot in the bottom of the eighth, basically to win the game. So, yeah. If if it was that close all the way through, then, yeah, I, I would stay. But also, if you're a Mississippi State fan, you might be feeling the heat when you're down 11 to 6 in the top of the fifth. So, but then it was 11 to 10 in the bottom of the fifth. So, I, you know, I, yeah, I think between those two teams, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay for that. I know that's four hours, but yeah, I'd stay there. That would be, that would be quite 42 hits. <laughs> I don't even think I had 42 hits my last two seasons of baseball. <laughs> I don't think our team ever had 42 hits in a season. So. I know my seventh grade team sure didn't have 42 hits all season. That one was that was a rough team. Let me see if there's any other games that stick out. St. Joe's beat George Mason 14 to three on Sunday. Um, I mean that that's the game that really stuck out. Stetson upset Texas Tech seven to five in a ten inning game. Um. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, Hawaii beat Ohio State. This is the other one that stuck out. Hawaii beat Ohio State fifteen to three. Whether that, I don't, I don't know if why Hawaii, Hawaii good at baseball. Do we know? What was that? Is Hawaii good at baseball? No, not really. Um, okay. Which is, I mean, they've had they have some decent teams, but they're not always great. Like, what I can tell you is, back when I was a Creighton fan. Uh-huh. It was a big – one of the things they always talked about with Creighton Baseball is they once made it to the College World Series. And to get there, they had to beat Hawaii at Hawaii um, in the Super Regional. So they must have been good in 1991, but I can't tell you about, like, their whole existence. I know they're okay in – did you ever play MVP 06? Yeah. In yeah, they were okay in, if I remember correctly. So Okay, I found – I don't want to, like – just keep reading box scores. But I mean, but know. I'm gonna do it anyways. All right, we're I found two more <laughs> that's games. That's what our show is anymore. <laughs> uh, follow us, find us on Twitter. Uh, tell us a game you want us to read the box score of. Yeah. <laughs> so you get a request. Could you read the Detroit Lions uh, versus uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers box score in 1982? Absolutely, we will. <laughs> actually, I already we'll had read it in, the in notes. three different languages. Actually. <laughs> Okay, Ball State beats Western Michigan twenty to fifteen. Line for Ball State: one zero three zero two four seven three zero. Twenty runs, twenty eight hits, and an error. Western Michigan: zero zero two zero one zero zero four eight. Eight. Fif- fifteen <laughs> runs, fifteen <laughs> hits, two errors. At eight, that's that's they, painful. They decided to like, hey, let's play baseball in the that's- ninth inning. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what caused that. I think that's when Airbud enters the lineup is when you put up the eight spot. And the best part, Western Michigan had one. They had three home runs to uh, Ball State's one, but Ball State also no, they only got walked four times. So, but uh, one more like, and then Ohio or like I said, Omaha won twenty six nothing. I don't need to read that one, but I found another one that jumped out. Dallas Baptist beats Air Force thirty to seven. Right. What? Thirty? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so so here's here's a line for it. Yeah, in front of a, uh, a staggering one hundred and twenty seven people. 
they they saw his they saw history right there. Yeah, they probably. I, I hope we, I hope at least six of them stayed. Oh yeah. Um, do you know where it was played? It was it was at Air Force. That makes sense because the altitude. I, yeah. I bet played a factor there. So so here's here's the line for it. Dallas Baptist zero thirteen five five zero zero five two zero. 30 runs, 28 hits, no errors. <laughs> Air Force. Oh, Air Force bad. jumps out to a one nothing lead in the bottom of the first. 0-0-4-0-2-0-0-0. Seven runs, 10 hits, no errors. So no errors. That's I mean, that's incredible. Um, home runs for Dallas Baptist. They had one, two, three. They had four home runs and like eight doubles. <laughs> And um, two doubles that's, for Air Force. That's one thing I do remember from that game is all the teams in the Mountain West, like that are actually in the mountains. Yeah. Like every single one, it's like uh, pitching D minus, uh, hitting A plus, yeah. like every single one. Overall, D plus. <laughs> C minus. Like uh, their pitchers would just be the worst. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, we should go pitch for uh, New Mexico State. Yeah, I don't like the state of Mexico, New Mexico, but uh, <laughs> the state of Mexico. Excuse uh, you. Yeah, you heard me. Uh, um, uh, do we have any? I meant to ask you this. Do we have any uh, basketball player performances of the week? I've been pretty busy this week. However, I got something even better. So, okay, with this week being, the, well, I think what I'm going to do is we're just going to have the best game of the whole NCAA tournament. Is what we'll, for a player or for a for team? a player? Okay. Um, anyway, I'm going to go through this list here. I don't know if we've gone over this list, but this is one of my favorite of all time. And it is by Chuck Klosterman of Grantland, the former Grantland. And, uh, the article is the 50 greatest college basketball players of all time. And we're not going to go through all of them, but it's not just, we're going to go through 49 of them. Just not number one. So there's, it's mainly just greatest college style. Like when you think college basketball, like, so Michael Jordan's not going to be on this list. Do you think Michael Jordan, you think him high-flying for the Bulls? Like, he might. I mean, if you give me 50 people, I'd probably eventually say him, but I'm not going to say him, like, top. I mean, it's not going to be, like, top and 10. Only, go, like, yeah, oh, but, like, yeah, I'm this just one. saying, like, you know, there's some great college players that had just stellar NBA careers as well. These are guys that were – they're just known, for the most part, as college basketball right. legends. So, like, for example, I'm going to give, like, you know, a couple here. Like, number 36 was Adam Morrison. And his description was, he had the greatest Maui Invitational ever and a mustache that failed. What's more collegiate than that? Um, they keep showing, uh, and I'm not to interrupt you here, but yeah. they keep showing highlights of him because Gonzaga's still in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I was watching last night because... You know, he's looking a little cleaned up. Well, well, not in this highlight, but oh. they were showing the 2006 game where they oh, blew yeah. a 16-point uh, lead to UCLA mm-hmm. and ended up losing. And it's just like a close up of him like crying on the floor, which yeah. is fine. Like I understand that, but it's just like of all the things they can pick of Adam Morrison. Yeah. And like now, and every time they now he's up, announcing like, like some of the games and he yeah, he looks halfway decent. Yeah, every time like it's like Adam Morrison, he was one of the he won the two thousand six player of the year. So here's a video of him crying. It's like every time they bring him up, it's like Here's his team blowing the game. Fair enough. Number 36. Okay. Yeah. I Anyways, can... here's one of my favorites, and this was number 50, and it was this guy by the name of Al Frederick Hughes, okay. who played for Loyola uh, from 81 to 85, and it said there will never 
there will never be another Alfredric Hughes, which is kind of like saying there will never be another Gigi Allen. Do you know who Gigi Allen is? No. Just um, he was a. I'll explain this as PG as possible. He was a punk rock singer who completely believed in no limits. <laughs> I'll just you can look up what he did, but. Anyway, so as a freshman, he once missed 20 consecutive shots versus Bradley. As a junior, he took 655 shots and finished the year with only 17 assists. However, he's ba- perhaps best remembered for a bootleg t-shirt that he made um, in, around campus that he wore that screamed, Save Loyola Basketball, Shoot Alfredric Hughes. <laughs> but he could still feel it up. 17 at, uh, points as a freshman, 25.7 as a sophomore, 27.6 as a junior, and 26.3 as a senior. Like, somewhere in Chicago, Alfredric Hughes is taking an ill-advised shot right now. <laughs> so there's a lot of interesting Legend says players. he's still in the gym missing shots. Yeah, he's still missing 20. He misses 17 shots in a row, so he only finishes with, like, 23 points that night. <laughs> That's Yeah, some of these guys I've never heard of, and I ended up looking them up. Very interesting. But before we get more into this list, I want to ask, who have you seen from this tournament? Or we could also put Nebraska ball in there, too. Who do you say is one of the best straight-up college player that you've been seeing. It's, like, it's just that, – that's a college basketball guy right there. Yeah, well so – The one that comes to mind for me, I think is kind of the ultimate one right now, is um, Mike Dom. Okay. Well, if, if we're going based on the, the teams that are left, it's hard not to say <clears throat> Zion, but Zion's also only going to be there this year. And he's, yeah, it's, strict, he's, it's strictly so that – he gets picked top two, basically. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, which um, I agree with. But at the same time, we're going to know him as the NBA player. But but also, see that's the thing he's is, been such a sensation yeah. in college basketball. Taco Fall. That's a good one. Well, yeah. But, I mean, I think he'll end up on an NBA team, too. Yeah, he will. It's I don't it's simply because he doesn't have to jump to dunk. I mean, I think I that's mean, I just, that's a good enough reason for me. My question is, I just wonder how well he's going to do in the NBA. I don't know, but no, Mike Dom I think is kind of one of the ultimate college basketball guys. I would say. Yeah, and then uh, Chris Clemens from Campbell. I mean, they didn't make the tournament this year, but those yeah. two both got into the three thousand club. Especially, I think is it wasn't Mike Dom was just a straight up back a guy down 15 times and just lay it up off the glass and yeah pretty much and, i mean i think he'd started developing like kind of an outside shot yeah. but which you have to if you want to but with know, i'm not gonna say the summit league's not any good but i mean summit league's not that great um some other guys and i mean in the tournament right now again a lot of them i feel like are going to turn out to be halfway decent nba guys john morant from murray state has stuck out. Marcus Howard from Marquette has stuck out. Um, mm-hmm, I don't remember yeah. his first name. The guy for Texas Tech, Culver. He, um, he's. I think he scored twenty something last night or nineteen. That that. I, I was actually going to bring up the fact that uh, Michigan Michigan looked a lot worse than I thought they were going to last night. Um, is Michigan the worst two seed? Yeah, probably. Other than you know the two seeds that lost at fifteen seeds, but. Um, that Michigan performance was embarrassing. Um, yeah, so you were watching the game yesterday, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was bad. That was bad because I, I was rooting for Michigan. I was rooting for the Big Ten school, but um, sixteen halftime points. That's like I don't get that in college. Like you have the best teams in the country playing against each other. Yeah. How can especially when it's it's a it's a three to two seed game? 
how do you get a score of 24 to 16? I mean, I get it because both teams are. I mean, you can go cold, like defensive but like, teams, but like, also. But at the same time, they've shown that they they're capable can score. Scorers. Yeah, they're capable scorers. But that's I, what's I, gotten them so far? You know what's interesting? I thought Michigan, and I kept saying this. I was like, I thought Michigan was this like high flying offensive powerhouse. I guess I was wrong, but and I can admit that I just assumed that they scored a bunch of points all the time. Last night was the eighth straight game that Michigan did not score eighty points. They they finished their season with eight straight games of under 80 points. And a lot of them were, like, in the 60s. So, I mean, take that for what you will. But Texas Tech, I mean, they won by 19 and didn't even score 70. So, there was one game that scored more than 70 points last night. Or two, sorry. There was one game that scored more than 75. I think that's what I was going with. 99-94 was uh, Purdue. But... You want to talk about a guy on Purdue that is a college, like that's Matt a college Painter. basketball. Coach well, Matt Painter. Well, yeah, that too, I guess. <laughs> uh, Carson Edward. Oh, yeah. 42, two games ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think he'll, again, that, this is the problem, is a lot of the guys that stick out are like, yeah, that guy will probably have a decent NBA career too. Mm-hmm. But that guy just like, I mean, last night he had 29. <laughs> so it, it, if Purdue goes on to the Final Four, it, you know, if they luck out and win the whole thing, it's going to be because that guy scored 30 a night. And that's, and also that's what I, first what I loved about Creighton and why it was easy for me to leave them after they, because they <laughs> went to the big East Yeah, is because that made them like, you know, an actual team anyway. Um, what I was going to say, what I was going to say about that, sorry, I just got a text from my old dad here and he said, um, he uh, did, never has heard of Alfred Hughes, but may have watched him play against the Omaha. By, maybe by accident. Against the Omaha Racers. Oh, wow. Um, former CBA team. Uh, that I personally, if Omaha gets a D-League team, which I feel will happen at some point. It's the G-League now, but yeah. G, yeah, G-League team. They need to rename them the Omaha Racers. Like, that has to that has to come back. The was, Omaha Kings. Well, when I was, if there's affiliates, I would go with that. Um but what I was going to say was when Creighton was in the Missouri Valley, you had some college basketball guys. Like just like Nate Funk is a college basketball. He yep. is a college basketball guy. You guys guess what happened after college? I don't know. <laughs> he played in like Germany's like Premier League for two seasons. And then it's like, actually, we shouldn't have taken this risk. And like, cause he was quick, but he was six foot three and he could shoot. And like, he would just run to the corner, take six a game, make half of them. I had an eight funk jersey. Nice. Yeah. I wish I did. I don't like Creighton, but I had an eight funk jersey. Well, I mean, everyone likes Nate Funk. <laughs> if you heard of him, if you know, you know. It's if, kind yeah, of, if, if you know, you know. That's an Iron Second t shirt. Nate Funk, if you know, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And then um, there was another one. You might not remember, but it was apparently one of my first words was Ryan Sears, which um, he was a freshman when I was born at Creighton, but he. Was became the assist and steals leader by the end of his career, and at never at any point in his career did he have a assist to turnover ratio below two to assist to one turnover. So he was a solid point guard, and not only that, he could light it up from outside. But him being pretty much being my size and my athletic skill set, besides that, you know, he was a true college basketball guy. Anyways, some of the interesting names. 
uh, on this list are some of the um, guys I hadn't really heard of. Mm-hmm. But just hearing these descriptions, which this is a really good article just on how they discuss them. Um, once again, the article is by Chuck Klosterman. I'm going to go through some of these guys because, like I said, this is one of my favorite articles ever. Before we start, I almost knocked that mic away. Um, before we start, we're going to go through the ranking criteria that he uses so we can kind of get an idea of what his idea of a true college basketball guy is. Number one is the most important quality for him is talent. And however, I cannot stress it enough, it's not the only quality. It's about 50% of the equation, sometimes less. The individual's college career must be more meaningful than his pro career. Now, some of these are debatable, um, whether they were more meaningful. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you can agree. I'll You'll agree with on that their college career was more meaningful, even if because some of them didn't even have really any pro, pro career. career. Ideally, the player should possess some sort of or- unorthodox game. Are you an un- are you an undersized two guard with no conscious? Uh, do you have un- do your unnaturally long arms compensate for your lack of a natural position? Do your physical limitations give you a paradoxical advantage? Were you the one man on a one man team? Are there no other players comparable for your rarefied position of weirdness? If so, congratulations. These make you memorable in college basketball. They need to have somewhat be somewhat co- something collegiate about the player's individual persona. As with any historical list, my age is biased. He wrote this and he was 39 and this was written in 2011. 2011. Yeah. So you have the list up too. Okay. Yeah. And the dead are valued more than the living. I'm just being honest here. It helps to be dead. <laughs> so yeah, we mentioned now Frederick Hughes. Uh, the ball is to David Rivers, the ultra quick and totally unpredictable. Rivers was a point guard from a video game. And I mean a video game from the 80s when no one cared how realistic they were. <laughs> When Al McGuire used to announce Irish games on NBC, you could almost hear the saliva dropping off his lips whenever Rivers broke somebody's tibia. Of course, David was never designed for the pro game, and he knew it. He knew it before anyone else. Here's what he said after getting cut by the Minnesota Timberwolves coach, Bill Musselman. I didn't fit in. He wanted a guard who could run the offense, pass the ball, and play defense. That's not me at all. (laughs) Jerry McNamara, now I remember him a little bit. Um, I remember they would talk about him in March Madness 07, but since they couldn't use his name, they would call him the really good shooter who was a senior last year for Syracuse. I'm like, well, you narrowed that down pretty well. Danny Ferry, he was at least as good at, he was at, least as, good at basketball as Jay Bilas is at Twitter. Jay Billis is... Uh, Billis, excuse me. Yeah. He, um, he's interesting on Twitter. I follow him. But it seems like about every other tweet is about why a student athlete should get paid. I'm not disagreeing with him, but it's a little old. But he played for Duke also. So he, I, I feel like people kind of just give him a pass. There was Scott. I like, the, I like the one below it. Not that we need to go through all of them, like I you know. said, but just. Jerry McNamara's? No, uh, Reggie Williams. Here we have the third most famous athlete ever named Reggie Williams, who played for a team that never went 500 on the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, surprisingly then. Um, but he scored a metric time. And this, and this kind of shows the kind of coach that Bob Knight is. But Scott Skiles, you know, there's no way I'd ever have Scott Skiles on this team. Bob Knight told his huge roster in 86. But Scott Skiles is tougher than every single one of you. <laughs> this is the, one of the most Bob Knight things I've ever heard. Arrested three times during college. Mm-hmm. Fennis uh, Dembo, um, 
undoubtedly the only Wyoming cager who will ever be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He probably would have been recruited by Kentucky had his name been Dennis Fembo. <laughs> Chris Jackson is a really good one. I'm glad he's on there. Uh, Rex Chapman. Um, I have a, I have a possibly racist book in my library that described Rex Chapman like this: jumps like a brother and shoots like your mother. <laughs> I suppose Chapman did have a lot of seven for eighteen games in his career, but they always made he always made those seven worth it. He was clutch. I still have a Rex Chapman T-shirt somewhere in my parents' house. It just never fit right. Juan Dixon on the cover of March Madness, um, or no, no, uh, Final Four, two thousand three, uh, Sony's game that they made for like five seconds. Um, going through here, so then Wayman Tisdale, one of my favorite basketball players ever. Are you? Familiar with Wayman Tisdale at all? I may have gone past that one. Um, it's 21. I don't think so. I, so. I was looking at a different one that okay. I'll bring up here in a second. Go ahead. So, Wayman Tisdale, along with being a three-time All-American, he is one of my favorite jazz bassists of all time. And it sounds like a joke, but no, seriously, he was a jazz bassist, and he was really good. <laughs> he originally wanted to go into music um, solely, but then they he tried basketball. It was really good, and then the coach was like, hey, the coach for Oklahoma was like, hey, we really, really want you on your team. He's like, only if I can go back to my Sunday, like, choir jam band practice. <laughs> every, and he's like, yes, we'll schedule our, your, our practices around it just if you can come hey, here. coach, I got to leave at 3. I got to go. Got to go to lesson. You know. So, yeah, not only that, so not only being a great bassist, a three-time All-American, <laughs> if that's not what I want my kid to be, then, I mean – Am I Jake Larson? It's, it's at least a two-time All-American. Yeah, at least. If he gets gets one, that's fine. But he also has to be a really good, smooth jazz bassist. <laughs> Xavier McDaniel, who played at Wichita State. And he was a, he was a good pro player, but 27 uh, points and 15 rebounds a game. His uh, junior year, his final year in college. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want on your team is someone that can read both the nation in both scoring and rebounds. And what's... Funny, too, is so he was drafted fourth uh-huh. in his draft after putting up those numbers, and he wasn't even the highest drafted player out of the Missouri Valley Conference that year. I believe that. Benoit, <laughs> ben, Benoit Benjamin, former you, Creighton player who averaged five blocks a game his senior year, or junior year. You want to hear a stat about the Missouri Valley? Absolutely, I do. Uh, I'm the biggest Missouri Valley Conference fan you'll, you'll meet. The Missouri Valley has more... Uh, Final four appearances in the decade than the Pac-12 does. Wichita State 2013, Loyola last year. I didn't realize how bad the Pac-12 was. Oh. Like I knew they were like bad this year, but like just over the past however many years they've been. Yeah. Arizona was the only Final Four in 2017 in the decade. All right, I just want to throw that in. I got a player for you here on the All same, right. obviously the same list, but mm-hmm. Butch Lee Marquette. I just I literally scrolled to that one just on accent. Accident. Uh, the on-court star Marquette 77 championship was, until the ascent of Carmelo Anthony, generally viewed as the best Puerto Rican hoopster of all time, although I don't know how important that designation is or should be. Uh, his career ambition was to become a professional ball player. I can't imagine meeting someone named Butch Lee and thinking to myself, I bet this guy's a terrible athlete. <laughs> <laughs> well, the second one is really interesting. It's just it's Phil Hutchison and John Pierce, 29 and 28 for Lipscomb. So this is just bizarre. Hutchison scored 4,106 points in his career for the Bison, which at the time of his graduation was the most by any player at any level, 
Um, back then, Lipscomb was an NAIA program. He was then replaced by John Pierce, who then finished his career with 4,230 points. So the two greatest scorers in college basketball history just happened to play at the same tiny school in immediate succession for no justifiable reason. Now, Lipscomb, if I'm correct, is now a D1 school. They are, yep. They, um, they're actually uh, going to New York for the NIT, I think, or they're playing to go to New York in the NIT. Off to double I, check I that. stopped paying attention to the uh, NIT after yeah, yeah, Nebraska's elimination. Uh, it's not that I stopped paying attention. Or it's not that I keep paying attention. It's just I see the scores, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> they give me something to do in two weeks, I guess. Uh, number 25, Jim Fredette. Fredette. Yep. As a senior, uh, he took 665 shots, 235 fewer than he should have. Uh, he's got an NBA deal now. Yeah, he went the back Suns. to. <laughs> that's who signed him, right? Wasn't the Suns? Oh, I thought you said he sucks. I thought oh, that's what you said. No, no, no. I'm like, I said wow. the Suns. Well, I was really. I don't know about that, considering how many. Because like, I remember watching him at BYU the senior year. Being like, that's how I wish I could pay hey, fill it up. Xavier McDaniel, Jerome Lane, send it in, Jerome. Send one of the in greatest, Jerome. One of the greatest highlights in college basketball history. Steve Alford. Could have been number one on this lift. If free throws were worth five points, <laughs> getting screamed at was worth 25. <laughs> um, 14, Danny Manning. Uh, Furman again shows up on this episode. Johnny New- or with Frank Selvey, who um, decided to score 100 points in the game against Newberry College. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, Danny Manning, as a freshman, seemed overhyped. As it turns out, he was accurately hyped. Uh, won the national title when he was a senior, despite a mediocre twenty-one and eleven record. He turned pro as a junior. Had he turned pro as a junior, they might have missed the NIT. Poor Duke. All right, let's get into this uh, top ten here and kind of just mm-hmm. break it down. Number Tyler ten is Hansbro. Tyler Hansbrough, and I get that. Like it says, a lot of the- people still have him in like like. Given this is eight years ago, a lot of people still consider him like a top 10, 12 college basketball player. Which so. I can see. Um, though I, I know you're going to hate me saying this, but Doug McDermott would be in the top 10 on this list. Yeah, I hate you for saying that. But, <laughs> but you're probably right. But uh, yeah, cause, yeah. Cause, I mean, he's number five on the scoring list. And not so. only that, but it says Tyler Hansbrough was the basketball equivalent to Tim Tebow. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I read the wrong one. But still, Lionel Simmons, they talked about, he has 3,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. And so does McDermott. Yeah. And so, if that gets him to nine, he's the best player from the cable TV era who almost no one outside of his hometown ever saw more than once. Which, yeah. Like, I I wonder if there's how much footage there is of his college career playing at LaSalle in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, in fact, hold on here. Because I... Another person, I believe, that played at LaSalle. Ralph Sampson. No. no he not played not at, that he played at LaSalle. I was just oh, reading he was the on next the list. one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Lionel Simmons, number nine on this list with 3,000 points and 1,000 rebounds, played okay. with Tim Legler. Legs. Former Omaha racer, I think probably racer's all-time leading scorer, Tim Legler, which we have a poster of Tim Legler. A full-size poster of him uh, in our barn at our house. How many people do you know have uh, uh, Keith? That's full-size, full-sized Tim Legler. 
<laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking like I'm amazed that that even exists, let alone the fact that we have it. That but... it exists at your house. You want to say that one more time? I said that it exists at your house. Oh yeah, that's how much money do you think if... we're not going to sell it? Of course, you can probably get twelve dollars for it. Yeah, you, yeah, you forgot a few zeros there, sir. <laughs> Is so, it signed by Tim Ligler? Well, I don't know. Let's not get There's into a, semantics. Yeah, here. we, we let's, let's not figure that out right just right now. <laughs> so yeah, so, so let's break down so this top Lionel five. Simmons, here in a yeah, second. also Lionel Simmons did make the uh, NCAA tournament once and won the NIT with Tim Ligler. So, mm. so there you go. Just quickly through the top five here. Ralph Sampson, Virginia, uh, most skilled seven foot player of his or any generation. Particularly if you like your seven foot se- seven foot four center <laughs> to occasionally play shooting guard. Three time I mean, Naismith Player of the Year. What? What? I did not know that. I knew he was good. Uh, but Ralph, that's... Ralph was the best college basketball player I ever saw with my own eyes. Thus, beginning my lifelong relationship with being wrong about things I'm totally confident about. <laughs> And then this number number four is absolutely true, the description. David Thompson. David Thompson created Michael Jordan. That is absolutely a fact. Because they've interviewed him. It's like, yeah, my favorite basketball player growing up was David Thompson. I want to base my game off of him. And David Thompson was able to touch the top of the backboard. He was a absolute high flyer. Um, but when he played, call, uh, dunking was banned for the most part. So they did layup. They, with him, they did layup alley-oops. That's where that started. But in his senior game, they, he was on a fast break, and he's like, why not? And he just did like a 360 reverse dunk, and he got a technical foul because you couldn't dunk back then, but the whole crowd cheered. They brought him out of the game. So uh, Number three, Bill Walton. Um, I'm just trying to see where it says that. I mean, he obviously played for one of the greatest dynasties. Oh, of, you know. greatest dynasty in college sport, or like yeah. in college basketball or the major sports. He hit 21 of 22 against Memphis in the 73 title game. It's pretty it's pretty good. The great it says the greatest offensive performance we're ever going to see in a meaningful contest. Contest. That's like how Num- do you Number you 1 is also that? absolutely correct despite like his NBA career being fin- even even better, but You really are going to pick um Lou Alcindor over Pete Maravich? Well, no, but I mean, those are one and two, whichever order you put them in. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, is Lou Alcindor was a great college basketball player, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a great NBA player. I mean, you could argue that he was the greatest. Uh, it's, it's arguable. I here I was, you know, we don't need to get into Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, you know, whoever it doesn't matter. Kobe's not. <clears throat> I know, but people like to throw him in there anyways, just because the generational thing, but. I always ask, and you know Ron, I always ask Ron and I ask other people, mm-hmm. at what point did we stop considering Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, at least in the conversation of greatest basketball I think player? it was because... The dude has the, decline, the most points. Because in the decline of his career, he was overshadowed by, one, his teammate, Magic Johnson. Right, that's true. Who was competing against another superstar, Larry Bird, and the upcoming Michael Jordan. Yeah. And so people just kind of forgot about it. The end of his career career. was kind of... He was still, like, really, really good. Oh, yeah. But when basketball in the late 80s was wild, and when you were just a, you know, sky hook or spin around and dunk all the time and get, like, 15 points out of it, 
you were a good player, but that wasn't to catch the attention of some of the greatest talents the game has ever seen. <laughs> like, he got overshadowed by that, and I believe that's the reason why. Had he kind of stayed as a superstar his whole career and not gotten overshadowed by other arguably better talents, not saying they are, but it's in the conversation. Uh-huh. It's That's what's going to happen. That's just what's going to happen to a guy like you. Um, quickly, I'll read just this last like little paragraph. Um, obviously, we know why Pete Maravich is number two because he he would have averaged he scored a million. He would have averaged fifty-seven points for the three if it were for the three-pointer. Yeah, um, as as an exhibition, the Bruin varsity team they're coming off of back-to-back national championships. Uh, they ranked number one, opened the season by scrimmaging the freshman team. Uh, Lou Alcindor had thirty-one points, twenty-one boards, and eight blocks, hammering the varsity team by fifteen points. The number one team in the country could not beat a player who could not yet play. As an ineligible 18-year-old, Alcindor was, at worst, the fourth or fifth best basketball player in the world. So I guess talent does matter sometimes. And then with Pete Maravich, Maravich averaged uh, 44.2 points per game while shooting 43.8% from the field. He averaged, his career scoring average was higher than his career shooting percentage. (laughs) Which maybe um, Allen Iverson came close to topping that, but... That's that. I mean, it happened, but there's no way that'll ever happen again. That's just that's like the 56 game hitting streak of basketball, right? There. Well, and 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 the thing, and you and I have talked about this. The thing that people forget: he only played three years. If mm-hmm. he would have played a fourth year, no one would ever even come close. I don't. People like already said, aren't coming and, close to his numbers. And he was taking making 13 threes a game, according to whoever. So he could have averaged. 50-something points for his career. Well, I mean, yeah. It's yeah, a good time he played when he did, or he would just would have been a cheat. Like, Yeah, it, he was... What would you do? He you was couldn't the guard uh, Steph Curry, the generation, basically. But, the gen- but Steph Curry was is our Pete Maravich, essentially. Yeah, yeah pretty much. All right, 15 seconds, Jake. Shout out to Rolly, shout out to Pot Roast, shout out to Mustache Man, shout out to Rolly, shout out to Side So, shout out to my dad, shout out to all the moments. Keeping it high and tight. Did I get it off quickly enough? Yeah, you sure did. All right, it's been Chasing History. It's Jake Larson. I'm Colton Stone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to you next Friday. Thanks.